Well, it's good to be back with you. It really is. Um, having been out of the country, um, it is good to be back at home uh, among God's people. There's a, there's a tendency that I found that whenever you kind of go like to, to the Holy Land, there's a sense of which, you know, you go and you see some of the sites, and, and we'll be talking about more of this next week. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the sites that you've seen and the things, but recognizing that, that God is not just in Israel, in Jerusalem. He's, he's here among us, and there's a sense in which we need to find and reconnect to that story, that, that those sacred spaces that are, are there are also here among us. And the, and the temptation is that for all of us to get into these routines and these rituals that kind of take away this, this sacredness of, of what we're really doing, of, of where we are and, and what we're going through. One of the things that, that I've been processing for the last couple of uh, days, we got back on Tuesday at about uh, 3.30 in the morning, um, and it was just a blur of activities, but now it's kind of a, a sense of like putting it all together, not just saying, okay, we did this, you know, you can check it off of your bucket list. It's sort of a sense, what did it mean? Why, why do we do that? Because one of the things that you see is not only the sites, but you see people, and people from every nationality across the globe are, are all centering on these, these sites. These, we want to, to connect with, with where Jesus is. And there's a sense in which it's kind of strange. We had one event that um, it, it happened at the Church of the Nativity. There's a place, obviously called Church of the Nativity, where they think that you know, Jesus was born. There's a, a stone there and there's like a manger. And, but it's, it's in this incredible church. And people will wait in line for a very long time and sometimes not very politely either. But they'll wait in line just to, to touch a rock and just to say maybe, just you know, maybe he was here. Maybe this is the place. And what they're trying to do, what I've kind of come to, because people will wait in line for this, is they're trying to connect to something bigger than themselves. They, they, we all want to know. We, there's an instinct in all of us, a, a desire to make something of our lives, to, to progress, to, to move on, to, to build, because we're trying to believe at the deepest part of ourselves that our lives really matter. By touching stones, by, by going through these patterns, we're, we're trying to communicate that, that there's something special that is going on in our lives. That we're not just going through the motions, that, that our lives are not just part of, of, of background noise, but that what we do and what we say really matters. That God pays attention to us, that God knows that we're here. I think the people sometimes visit holy sites and they try and look at, at, at you know, a synagogue because a bunch, after a while it looks like a bunch of old rocks. But at the core, people are trying to ask, is God really hear me? Does God really know who I am? And, and we live in a culture that is being bombarded constantly, and I, I, maybe I harp on this too much, but sometimes our, our, our lives are so dominated by our schedules Maybe even today, and I know that even in the back of my own mind, I know the things that I have to do today, things that I, I gotta get done, and sometimes our lives are driven by our schedules and by our to-do lists than by our passions and our energies and our calling. Sometimes we get dominated by how many emails we can get done, the text messages that we've sent. We're dominated by Facebook. We're dominated by those things that are driving us, and so sometimes I find that we can, our lives can be driven more by schedules and by to-do lists than they can by who we really are.
before I left on, on the trip, I, I made a comment, of, and it's still been you know, rolling around in the, in the gray matter, that sometimes we can see the trees, but we don't see the forest. And I think that one of the visions or one of the purposes of the church is we're gonna take some time this morning to take a break from schedules. You have no schedules right now. This is, this is God's time to speak to you about the forest in which you live, about what's going on around you. Because there's nothing more tragic than for you to be doing a whole lot of stuff that doesn't really matter. To be so consumed with doing more, accomplishing more, providing more, but not really knowing why. And so I've entitled this, this time together, The Uncommon. We have gathered together this morning out of busy lives in order to, because we believe at our very core God is calling us to be something different. In, in Greek, the word is called ecclesia. We are, we are the ecclesia, and in Greek it means the ones that are called out of. We're the ones that are called out of routines and our community and to hear a different voice, to hear a different story, to live a different life, to be disciples, to, to set an example for the rest of the community. And so as we have gathered this morning, we need to challenge one another. Are we falling into those old habits, those old rituals? Are we just following like, like cattle in, led to the slaughter? Or are we living a different kind of life? Are we living the life filled with passion and energy? Are we living an uncommon existence? The church was meant to be an example. We were meant to, to be a shining light on the hill. Our mission field here at the top of this hill, we, we overlook the interstate where people are, are traveling north and south. We, we kind of hold almost a gate for what lies beyond. As people pass, we, we make a statement about who we are and about what we believe. We are the uncommon. There's a, a, an old quote that said, it is, it is not at all uncommon for people to spend their whole lives just waiting to live. And I can't help but wonder, have you ever been in that situation with people in your family or your friends or the people that you work for that say, well, you know, someday we'll be able to do this. Or, or when I retire, then I'll be able to do this. Someday is always just outside of your reach. So often we just look for someday to arrive. You know, God is calling us this morning to live a different kind of life for all of us. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we have as the church is, is to figure out how to take what we know, what we know here, and move it here so that, so that what is happening on Sunday morning, that, that sacred space, that, that belief that God knows who we are, that when we come to the altar, we know our prayers are heard, that when we come, the, the word lives within us, to take that special sacred spark and let it carry us through the rest of the week, to take it from Sunday to every day. The challenge for us is to learn how to move into the future with God telling a different kind of story. But you know, so often it is easier to live just like everybody else, to just fall into the habit, to go through the routines, to do what everybody else has an expectation that you should be doing. It may sap your energy, but it is much easier to go with the flow than to stand and to be who you really are. Here's the symptoms. I was thinking about this and I said, what are some of the symptoms? We live in a country that is more prosperous than any nation has ever been. 
we have uh, an environment. Uh, one, again, one of the things from coming from Israel, you, you almost always have to have your passport because you're going through checkpoints. Nobody here has ever gone through a checkpoint from going from West Virginia to Ohio or traveling around. We don't know what that's like. So in, in, a, in a country that has such prosperity and such peace, shouldn't we be living the joyful, happy life that our prosperity has brought to us? We should, but is that really the case? I, I find for most people, one of the symptoms of our time is we're living in an age of burnout. We're able to do more things faster. We're able to get more accomplished. We can communicate with texts, with emails. People are posting all kinds of stuff on Facebook. We're moving at a faster pace, but we're not sure why. We have stories to tell. This is what I'm doing. This is where I've been, but we're not sure what it means. And so people are spending their energy, their passions, their creativity on things, but they don't know why. It just doesn't matter to them. After a while, it just seems like background noise. And, and so we fall into this category of the hamster. Do you know what the hamster is, the little wheel? We run faster and faster, but guess what? We're still on the wheel. And so I wonder this morning as you think about your life, or especially the people in your community that are looking for an alternative, are they on the verge of burnout? And if they're not on the verge of burnout, oftentimes they're just bored. We're always looking for the next cell phone, right? People are now promoting the, the iPhone 11X. I don't know, they, just, they always give it a different, different letter. What's the next big thing? Maybe that'll hold the key. Uh, maybe I'm just bored with what I'm doing. It's because we're doing a job or we're doing activities, we're building equity that you know eventually is not really that important. It's not that significant. You know it, you feel it. You're just looking for something that'll give you that, that moment of clarity of saying my life really matters. And if you're not bored and if you're not burnt out, you've all experienced this. Have you ever been around somebody that just wants to brag about what they've done? I just want you to see my new car, I want you to see my house, I want you to know about the next promotion, I want you to know what my title is. I, right now we live in an age where popularity and celebrity status dominates, right? The crazy behavior of some people makes the news because we just want notice, we want people to just see me. And so often when you see people that just are telling you about all the things that they're done, what they're really trying to do is say, look at me. My, I want you to know my life matters. I want somebody to affirm that my life matters. We tell a different story. We tell a story that God has a plan for us. So I want to introduce you to a character that goes all the way back to the beginning. His name is Abram. Now, Abram had a normal job. He was working the family business. He had a good retirement plan all fixed out. His family was doing well. He was building a little bit of equity. He was looking forward to retirement. He was actually at the time that this story begins, at the time that his story begins, he's 75. Now I want you to think about all of you that are, you know, our senior adults. How many of you are ready for a career change at 75? No thank you. Been there, done that. Somebody once said, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Right? I'm done. Right? 
At 75, his story is just beginning. God is beginning to talk to, to Abram. So I want you to share a little bit about Abram's story and about the difference that he can make in your life. This comes from uh, Genesis chapter 12, beginning with the first verse. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Okay, so Abram is being asked to do something radical. I want you to leave, sorry, I want you to leave West Virginia. I want you to leave your history, your background, your family heritage, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. I want you to live a different kind of life. That's what we're talking about, not something that you can just add on to the end of your week, but a complete reversal of the plan that you've had for your life. He said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And people, all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, and he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all their possessions that they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Cana, and they arrived there. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, the interesting thing about this story is this is the classic, the call of Abram. And it's told this way in order for us to enter into that story as well. Not to just think that Abram was a pretty nice guy, but to ask how do we respond when we are called to the greatest adventure of your life? What are those things that are holding you back? The doubts, the fears, the anxieties. What are those things that say, I can't go that far? You know, God, you're asking too much of me. I think the thing that really captured me in, in the blessings, because Abram is given a whole bunch of blessings, but notice what he's not given that oftentimes attracts us the most. God doesn't bless him with prosperity. He doesn't say, you're going to have more money than you know what to do with. You're going to have more land than anybody has ever seen before. You're going to have more people bowing down to you than have ever worshipped anybody. He just said, you will be a blessing. And, and with that blessing is going to come a lot of hard work. Abram had a lot of problems with the Egyptians. He had a lot of problems trying to figure out how this is going to come about. He, he had a lot of problems trying to figure out how am I going to have an heir unless I take matters into my own hands. So not everything worked out the way Abram thought it would. But the one that really captures me is you will be a blessing to all people on earth will be blessed through you. It's a far-reaching vision. Abram, it, it's not just for you, but it's the impact that you are having on future generations. On those that are not yet born will call you blessed because of what you are doing now. So often in our lives, we look at our time frame, our, our vision is so short, oftentimes it's within days or weeks that we think about the impact that we're making. God is speaking to Abram about future generations that have not yet come yet. Oftentimes we have to reorient the direction of what our lives is, the impact that we're having. Not just will it benefit me, but will it benefit future generations. But 
Abram has to go through a process. He has to come to a realization. And the first thing that I find that he, that he does, there we go, is Abram needs to become aware, just like we do. We need to become aware that something is happening here. God is at work in mineral wells. He's at work in your household. There's a bigger story that is happening that you are a part of. What I find most of the time is people just say, oh, I'm nothing. God wouldn't use somebody like me. God created you for this time and this place for a special purpose. You and you alone have the gifts and the talents that you have been given for some noble purpose that only God knows. Nobody that is sitting here this morning is a mistake. If God can use Abram at 75, I guarantee that he can use you. But you have to believe that there's something going on. You have to look out and around. Somebody told me this morning, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there was a frost last night? Yes, no, maybe? Okay. Now what that means is that the leaves will start changing rapidly. And you, within the next couple of days or weeks, you're gonna see an explosion of color. So much so that oftentimes people from other parts of the country, they take bus trips to come and see what's all around you. In, in the Gospels, when Jesus is often telling a parable, he often ends it with a, with a very curious phrase. He, he tells something that is going on, he tells a parable, and he said, let them who have ears, let them hear. Now we all heard him, but he said, but there are some that it never really penetrates much deeper. There's a sense in which we can be surrounded by beauty and glory and presence and still be blind and deaf to the presence of God. You're here this morning to have your ears opened and your eyes cleansed so that you can say, wow, God has been here the whole time and I never knew it. Abram became aware that God was doing something bigger in his life. Oftentimes we lose our special place in God's kingdom. When we lose our why, why are you here? We lose our way. And we follow the crowd, we'll do what everybody else is doing. You're here this morning because God has called you to a special place in his kingdom, to a special place in changing the world. Are you aware that you're part of a bigger story? But sometimes we can, make, we can be aware of it. Many of you are probably aware of what the gospel is. You can probably tell me the, the nuts and bolts of how Jesus came and lived and died that we could live forever. The problem is you haven't made the transition from what you know up here to what you feel down here. What Abram had to do is recognize that it was deeply personal. I'm calling you. My life matters. He says, Abram, I'm calling you to do something special. In chapter 17, he has a name change. No longer will I call you Abram. Instead, I will call you Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. Names for us have a powerful effect. For example, many of us, and I'm, I'm assuming most of you have a first, middle, and last name. Oftentimes, we have three, right? But if you're ever at home as a kid, if your mom says, hey, Steve, it's time to come home, that means I've got about a half hour left. If she says, Steve and Carl, I said now, I probably have about 30 seconds left, right? We know that when we put those names together, they have a powerful impact on our lives. 
But what does it mean when somebody changes your name? It changes your identity. It changes where you belong. And so when God says, Abram, I'm going to call you Abraham. When Jesus says, Simon, I'm going to call you Peter. When he says, Saul, I'm going to call you Paul. It changes not only your name, but your identity. It makes it personal. My life matters. If I could give you any gift, it would be the deep-seated concept that your life matters. Most of us really, at our deepest part, don't believe that it does, that we're just kind of going through the motions. And so what happens is we try to surround ourselves with telling other stories, trying to convince ourselves that what we acquire, how high we climb on the ladder, is what really matters. When we have, one of the, the problems that we have in our culture is a sense of narcissism, this idea of what's in it for me. We lose that narcissism when we lose ourselves in a bigger mission. When we recognize that God is changing the world through us, around the globe, you have an opportunity to make an impact to change people's lives by reaching out. Because our mission for this church is not to make you happy. It's to make you disciples that go out and change the world. The question for all of us is, are we ready to be a part of that bigger story? When the call comes upon you, are you ready to respond? So the first thing is, Abram had to be aware that God was doing something. God was on the move. He had to recognize that he had a vital part in making that happen. And then finally, he had to come alive. I had a kind of a quirky uh, professor when I was in seminary, and he would always come up to you and he would say, hey, you know, so tell me, how long have you been alive? Well, we don't really think of it that way. We often say, how old are you? Or something like that, and maybe we lie about it or we don't. But he would say, how long have you been alive? How, how long have you been aware of your significance? Maybe whenever your children were born or you got married or, or there was a sacred moment and you just felt alive in the moment. He's calling us to say, how long have you really been alive? Or how long have you just been going through the motions? The Apostle Paul said in Corinthians, anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Are you ready to take up your place in that kingdom? Are you ready to take up your calling to a new life? Now, Abram would have to go through many adventures to understand the fullness of what God was calling him to do. If you decide to choose that path, it will be an up and down, it will be a wild roller coaster of a ride, but it will be one that will certainly make you uncommon among the rest. I want to tell you a moment. Uh, we're going to enter into a time of, of Holy Communion, and I want to tell you a short little story of something that, that I kind of experienced um, when we were over in Israel. Many of you have seen on TV the, the Western Wall. Some people have called it the Wailing Wall. It, it's sacred to, to Jewish. And the reason that this wall is so sacred is because those are the original stones from Herod's temple back in the first century. Everything else has been replaced. All of the other stones, the, the wall that goes around it, all of that has been, the, the Romans tore that down and all of that has been replaced. But those are the original stones. And so they go back there and they pray. They go back to stones because for the Jews, they have no mediator. There's no one to intercede other than coming back to that sacred place and, and hoping 
that God would hear them. And so we were like tourists. We did what everybody else did. We took pieces of paper because that's kind of what you do. You go and you, you go up to the wall and you pray and you put your prayer in the wall. Now, the wall is segregated. There's a, 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 the men's side and there's the women's side. And in the journey, the women's side was packed. I mean, there were women, and, and I, the only reason I can figure that that happened is women have a lot more to confess than the men do. I, I, think, I think we can say that. Um, there were tablets of paper shoved in there. No, I, I'm just kidding. But there's kind of a surreal moment where you go up to this wall, and, and, and I'll tell you a, a little bit. So I, we were tourists, so I filled out my paper, and on my paper, I, you know, what do I want God to know? And I put, you know, I put down my family, I put, put the kids, I put their names, and I, and I put Mount Pleasant. I want God to remember Mount Pleasant. And I shoved it in the, in the crack. And as I shoved it in the crack, a whole bunch of other papers trickled out. And I said, oh no, God's not gonna hear those prayers if I don't start shoving them back in the, you know, I thought I'd, you know, screwed up. And so I kind of put them all back in there and I shoved them in there and I'm backing away and I'm watching people pray and, and I'm like going, how, how sad this is. People are coming to this wall saying, God, please hear my prayer. I just want God to hear my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shove some paper and, and maybe he'll hear me. Right? Maybe this prayer, maybe God will hear this prayer among all of the ones that are there if I shove it in a rock. I gotta come to this rock and hope that God will hear me. Maybe he will, I don't know, but maybe not. We believe that God isn't in those rocks, that God is here, that you can come to this altar and he, you know that he hears you. You don't need it on a slip of paper. You don't need to go to Israel to, to be heard. You can come right here because Emmanuel has come and he's waiting to hear your prayer. Why would you go to a rock, say pray, I'm, and Jesus says, I'm right here. Why don't you just ask me? We have an opportunity this morning to come to a sacred space, a sacred place, a sacred meal where Jesus wants to sit with you just like he did with the, the disciples 2,000 years ago and he has done ever since with his disciples. Sit around a table and say, let's share a meal together so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are uncommon, that I have a plan for you, that you're part of my family, that I'm calling you out from the ordinary to live the extraordinary because we believe that there's so much more to life than where we are now. It's gonna be a wild ride, but it's one that God will see us through. And so you don't have to have that little piece of paper. Just say what's on your heart, and he will hear you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we are able to be here this morning to share this time. We ask for those that are filled with doubts and fears that you will continue to hear them as well. We pray, Father, that as we share this meal together, you will bring us new hope and a new resolve to be the people of God in this place and at this time. Amen.